thanks for your generosity and your giving. I know it's going to make a difference and it's going to help people. And, and one of the things uh, that I wanted to talk about today, uh, just thinking about the events that have transpired the last couple of weeks, I've really been stirred with how can we practically be the hands and feet of Jesus to people? What, what do we do with our Christian witness? You know, that it's more than just words. It's more than just a belief system. There should be action associated with it. And this is a great opportunity for the church to rise up to actually express being the body of Christ and surrounding people and providing some relief. And that's part of what we're about. It's, I think it stirs my heart because at New Life, we exist to help people encounter Jesus. That's why we're here. We, we're not just a social club. We're not just the Moose Lodge that we get together and drink and eat. Come on. We are here so that when people come, they will physically, tangibly encounter the love and the presence of Jesus, that they will meet Him and be, have their lives transformed. And so uh, I wanted to talk about how do we practically do that then? How are we the hands and feet of Jesus, especially with the devastation that we've seen in our nation this week. And, and several things, as I talked this morning, several things I'm going to talk about in terms of the flood, but I also want us to not forget there are people that are spiritually devastated all around us every day. There are people that are lonely, that are in need. And so even though we're going to talk about sending relief all the way across the country, let's not forget who's in our backyard that needs to encounter Jesus also. And as I was looking at these pictures and, and some different things going on this week about what happened with the flood and what happened with the hurricane, it really struck me that it is a problem if things happen to you and you have no one to help you. Has, has anybody ever gone through a period of your life where you just felt like, man, I'm all by myself in this. There's, there's nobody coming around me. There's no aid. And, and what happens, I, I was thinking about this this morning, you've got all this stuff that you're carrying anyway. Has anybody ever felt like this? I've got... All the responsibilities of life. Maybe, maybe this is my job. Maybe these are the kids. Maybe these are the responsibilities I have at home. And I'm carrying all this stuff, and I don't want to drop any of it because it's all important. Come on, everything that's in your schedule is important to you. That's why it's in your schedule, amen? So we're carrying all this stuff, and all of a sudden we see something that we want to do. Man, I want to, I want to get that monitor down off the stage. And, but I don't want to let go of anything else I'm carrying because it's all important and, and I want to hold on to it. And so what do we do? What's our first natural tendency is, well, I'm just, I'm going to make it happen because I can do it myself. And we, and we come over to it and then we're, we're trying to figure out like, okay, how do I do this without hurting myself? And it's, it's actually heavier than you would think by saying, oh, pastor's going to pick that up in the middle of his sermon. And we're, we're trying to do stuff by ourselves. And has anybody ever found out that that's, that's really hard to do things by yourself, to walk through life without any help. And that's, that's a silly one. That actually went much better in, in Bridgeville this morning. I tried picking up one of these benches that were sitting in front of the stage, and that thing weighed like 80 pounds. I couldn't even, I'm like, oh, I'm going to put this, the bench up on the stage. And that example didn't go well, so I thought I'll get it off the stage. Maybe that'll be easier. Um, but anyway, we try to do things, and some, there's differing degrees of difficulty. Some things are easier to do by ourselves, and some things you get in a place where you realize, I can't manage this by myself. Maybe an example is, you, maybe you have kids, and you're thinking, oh, I have to work till 5 p.m. today, but my kid has to be somewhere at 3 o'clock. Come on, I'm, those are very real examples for people. There's single moms and dads that struggle with that all the time. There are things that we do that it's like if I have no support system and nobody else to count on, I'm in it by myself. I can't make this happen. I need someone else or I'm in trouble. And, and as I was thinking this week, it's even more exacerbated. I'm looking at these images of people that, what, what if it's not just, oh, my kids have to be somewhere or I have these responsibilities? What if you were really faced with something like, I just lost 
my house and every single possession I had in an instant. A, a flood came through and it's, it's gone. I, I can't go home because there's no home to go home to. What do you do in that moment if you're by yourself? You're, you're in a world of hurt. And I, I can't fathom sometimes how people survive living places with no connections, just thinking, I've got this. I can do it myself. I'm going to take care of everything. I, I'm an island. What was, the, what was the song, No Man is an Island? Come on, maybe you're not that old. Uh, but people try to do it all the time. And, and what happens is they see this biblical truth play out in their life. In Ecclesiastes verse 4, it says this, Chapter 4, verse 9 says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up, but pity the man. Everybody say, pity the man. Pity. Say, it, say it like Mr. T. Pity, uh, pity the man. <laughs> but pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. That's what happens when we try to go through situations in life on our own, by ourselves. We fall down and we have no one to help us up. The beauty of the body of Christ is you are not on your own. You are not by yourself. You're not having to do things to figure it out on your own. Uh, the world is all about me, mine, and I can do this. I'll, I'll tough it out. I'll get through it. But in the body of Christ, we have an opportunity to see, man, I really am part of something bigger than me. That I have people that surround me. The church of everything else in the world, the church should be a shining example of you aren't alone. Look at your neighbor and say you aren't alone. Find, find somebody else near you and say it like you really mean it. Look them right in the eye. This might be uncomfortable for you. I don't know. But look them in the eye and say, you aren't alone. Of, of, of all the things that we can proclaim to the world, the good news of the Gospel, there are practical things that happen. And one of the practical outworkings of the Gospel is you don't have to be alone. You don't have to go through life by yourself wondering what's going to happen next. How am I going to do that? How am I going to make ends meet? I believe that convincing people that they're alone is a lie that the devil uses. He, he will come and tell them, you're, you've got to make it on your own. You're all by yourself. In fact, nobody wants to be with you. Come on, that is a lie from the devil. And we have the truth. The truth is you don't have to be alone. I, I think if you're looking for it, you will meet somebody every single day that believes that lie to some extent whether they're in the grocery store, your workplace, at school, somebody that you know, you will find that they are believing that I'm alone. Nobody will care. Nobody will help me. I have to do it all myself. And we get to be the hands and feet of Jesus to tell them, you know, that's not true. The Bible actually says that God takes the lonely and He places them into families. What an amazing promise and a message that we have for people. If you are at New Life, if you call New Life your home, you're not alone. You don't have to be alone. You don't have to walk through things by yourself. You, you may have to overcome some personal things to embrace that truth. How many of you know there are times that for whatever reason, whether it's pride, not wanting to admit that I can't pick the thing up off the stage and move it myself, whatever it is, we need to admit, I need other people around me. I actually need to reach out and, and, and embrace that truth that I don't have to be alone. It could be something as simple as, man, maybe I'm afraid of just being vulnerable and letting people know what's really going on in my world. And the, the stuff I'm dealing with. But the truth is, you're not in it by yourself. Not being alone has been a key to what happens. What Jesus is doing in the church, a key has always been not being alone. In Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, there's this massive revival happening. The church is being launched in power and authority. And it says this in Acts chapter 2, verse 44. It says, All the believers were together. And had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. 
They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. How many of you have ever read that verse in the context of somebody preaching it because they want the church to grow? And they're, they're trying to figure out, how do we build a church? Oh, they, they had fellowship. We, we should have more fellowship groups. Oh, they had, they had good worship. They were together praising God. So we should have more worship. Oh, we should have teaching times. They, they, we look at these passages and we think, well, what were the keys? Oh, house to house. We've got to start more small groups. Open your homes, everybody. What do you think? All those things are good. They are necessary. We need to do those in the context of the church. But I think the key that really put them on the track of growing is together. They were together because that was something the world hadn't seen before. The, the message of the world is you're on your own, get the most for you. And the church's message is we are together in this. And so as they did those things, as they worshipped together, as they met together in homes, they began to see the church grow. And it was attractive to people and to the Lord. It's, it says they had favor with everybody in the city. Why? Because look at those people together. I want to be part of that. And it, it was attractive to the Lord. He said, man, they're getting what I'm trying to tell them. They're together in this. I'm going to keep sending people. I'm going to add to their number daily the ones I'm saving. Together is the key. Together is attractive. Jesus' plan was never, I'll save you, and then you're on your own to figure the rest of it out. Come on, sometimes, sometimes we feel like that in church. Okay, I, I got saved. Now what do I do? The object is to be together. Jesus is building something that's bigger than just us. I, I love what Jesus has done in my life. Don't, don't get me wrong. He's, he's saved me. He's transformed me. I love what Jesus has personally done, but it's not just about me. Jesus is building something that goes beyond what He's just doing in my own personal life. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says this, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens. Oh, that's such good news. I'm no longer a foreigner. I'm no longer an alien. I'm not an outcast. I'm not an outsider. I am in. I am to, you are in. We are in together. And it says you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus Himself as the chief cornerstone. We are God's people and part of His household. We are God's people and part of His household. Those are very personal terms, but they are very corporate terms. He is building us together. The object of saving us was to place us in His family so that we could reap the benefits of being together and invite others to come alongside. He fully dwells in each one of us by His Spirit, but to accurately show Him to the world, we need to be together. That is how the world sees Jesus and encounters Him. It's good news. You're not a foreigner. You're not an alien. You're in you are in the family. You are embraced. And we can help. What we do as the church can help other people feel and experience that feeling. Where they don't have to be foreigners. They don't have to be aliens. They can be embraced and feel like part of the family. What we do is important to demonstrate that. Especially when we recognize times of need and devastation and isolation that people are going through. So what can we practically do? What can we practically do? If we are in it together, if that's the answer, being together, what can we do to help people to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to help people that have been devastated by a hurricane, and to help the person at work that doesn't even know who Jesus is? Well, there's a couple things I want to share this morning. They may be basic, they may be not rocket science to you, but I think they are practical right now for the church to rise up and do. And the first one is pray. 
We are called to be people of prayer. And I think don't underestimate the power of prayer. Some people poo-poo this one and think, well, what are we going to do, Pastor? There's people in need. How are we going to help them practically? Number one is pray. And we can all do this. And it doesn't matter if you're at home in your living room, you're here on a Sunday morning, you're in the middle of the workplace and you hear somebody's story. We can pray. There is power and authority on our words that we speak when we pray and release something. Thank you for that. Amen. There's, come on. How many of you know there is power and authority when we pray? We are not just flapping our gums. We're not speaking to the wind. We're not talking to the wall. When we say stuff in the name of Jesus, it brings the heavenly realm into the earthly realm. There is power in prayer and we need to be people of prayer, especially in an hour like this. There needs to be prayer happening for our nation and for people that are devastated. It's not in my notes, but I heard this once and it was so good. I've said it before, but I'll say it again. Scripture talks about us being kings and priests, right? How many of you know kings have authority in the natural realm and priests have authority in spiritual matters? And Jesus said, you are kings and priests. When you pray, stuff comes out of heaven and gets released into earth. And we need to be doing that right now in this hour for people that need it. You, you can sit there thousands of miles away from somebody that's been devastated and you can pray and stuff happens. Here's, here's one in Philippians, uh, a verse that Paul, Paul was in prison in Rome. And this is what he wrote in Philippians chapter 1, verse 18. It says, yes, I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Come on, isn't that, a, that's an amazing verse to me. He knew his help comes from the Lord. Jesus is, his spirit is helping me. He is the ultimate place where I look to for salvation. But Paul said, it's through the spirit of Christ and your prayers. There was something about the prayers of the, his friends in Philippi that were releasing the power and the help of the Holy Spirit into Paul's life. He recognized, hey, this help's coming from the Lord because it can't come from anywhere else, but it's coming because of your prayers. How cool would it be if, if people whose lives are devastated, they got uh, help, they got transformed, they got back on their feet, if they looked at it and said, you know what? God gave us this help, but it came because the people of God were praying. Prayer releases something. And I think we, we ought to be praying generalities and specifics at this time. What do I mean by that? If we pray in general terms, you could say something like, Lord, help all those victims of the hurricane. That's a good prayer to pray. That's a very general prayer. We should be praying that. But specifics could be something like, Lord, let the church that we're sending money to in Houston rise up. Fill them with strength and power. Let the things that they do make a difference in people's lives. There are specific things that we should also pray in addition to just praying, Lord, help those people. Come on. Is anybody with me? There, there, there should be things that, man, the more specific you can be, the more God can zero in on it and say, I'm going to do it. Maybe you're at the workplace. Forget the hurricane for a minute. Maybe you're thinking, oh, a, a general prayer is, God, I want everybody at work to come to know you and be saved. Well, a specific prayer would be, God, my, my friend Jeff, he really is lost. Like, he, he doesn't know you. He needs you in his life. God, I'm going to start praying for Jeff. Lord, will you bring salvation into his life? Give me opportunities to share. Those are specific things that we need to pray and then look for God to give us the opportunities to be in the middle of those situations. And the, and the challenge I wanted to give us this week, particularly regarding the hurricane, is I would like us as a church just to take five minutes every day and pray for Texas. Pray for Texas. Well, Louisiana's in there. Anybody that's been displaced by the hurricane, just five minutes. That's, that's not, it's, it's less time than it takes you to brew your cup of coffee and sit and drink it. Five minutes just to say, Lord, 
we're, we're asking for your relief to come. We're asking for the name of Jesus to be lifted up through the middle of this tragedy. Let people see your love and compassion. And see what happens when the church of Jesus rises up. Something as simple as saying, let's pray five minutes a day. And while you're praying that, I think a good prayer to add in is, Lord, what else can I do? What, what else can I do beyond just praying? And that, that may lead you to the couple other ones I have on my list this morning. The second thing besides praying is we can give. And, and yes, I am, I am talking about money and stuff when I say we can give. That, that's what I mean by that. Very, very real needs that are, that are met. Uh, people in dire need, they may know that prayer works. They may think prayer is good. But it may not be a blessing to somebody in the middle of a mess to say, hey, I'm going to pray for you. Hey, that's, that's great. Thanks for praying, but I have no house. You know, what, what, what's going to happen to me? Giving makes it very practical. We need to remember that sometimes God actually uses us to be the answer to the prayer. He, he may cause us to pray the prayer, but we may be the answer also. And it may happen through our giving. I think that this hurricane that we've just seen, there should be a very real reminder in there that stuff is temporary. And people are the most important. I, I think that should be something that we're stirred, man. I'm, I'm really investing in relationships and the stuff I'm holding on to lightly. But how many of you know when all of your stuff is gone, there's a very real comfort that comes from somebody helping you get your stuff back? Man, my house is gone. My, my, I don't have clothes for the kids right now. We don't, have, we don't even have water to drink. How many of you know that's a moment when it's not just enough to say, hey, I'll pray for you. Like, here's some water. Here's clothes for your kid. Here's a roof over your head right now. And when we give, that happens and people see it. I, I still remember Dad for many years. He would always say it takes real money to reach real people in a real world. That, that, that is the reality of where we live right now. It takes resources to help bring relief to people. It takes resources to share the gospel, even in practical ways, to people that need it. Here's a couple verses for you. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I think what we're doing, it, it reminds me, even in the New Testament, there were times that churches in one city took offerings to send to churches in another city that, that they knew, hey, they're really in need over there. And there's even times in Scripture where it says they gave beyond what they were able. They, they gave an offering because they saw the need was so great that they wanted to send it to the people that were hurting. Uh, here's a couple of verses, though, from Proverbs. Proverbs 14.31 says, He who oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker. Man, I don't want to do that. But whoever is kind to the needy honors God. And Proverbs 19.17 says, He who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and He will reward him for what He has done. That, that boggles my mind, but one of the ways that we honor God and demonstrate our witness to the world that we love Him and honor Him is by taking care of the needy, by giving to the poor, by, by taking what we have and using it to bring comfort and relief to other people. There, there is a clear pattern in Scripture that God's heart is for the downtrodden the needy, the widow, the orphan, the people that can't take care of themselves. I'm not talking about people that just say they can't take care of themselves to game the system. I'm talking about the needy and the poor that have no means of helping themselves have any deliverance from their situation. And if God's heart was for those people, I think we should be for those people also. And one of the ways we do that is by giving what He's placed in our hands. Look for somewhere to give this week. Maybe you've already given in the offering this morning. Uh, I'm excited to, to figure out how much we're going to send. I'll let everybody know next week what we collected. If you missed an opportunity today and you want to still give, you can do that online later. But it takes real money to help real people, and we're going to do that. We are not just going to pray. We're also going to give and send some relief. And uh, I would encourage you, 
That could be for the hurricane. But we can be people of generosity to the people right around us in our workplace that are hurting. You know, maybe, maybe somebody's just waiting for you to invite them to a cup of coffee and, and pay for it. Come on. There, there are opportunities to give all around us every day. The, the third thing that I had, we're going to pray, we're going to give. And uh, the last one on the list was go. We're going to pray, we're going to give, we're going to go. And we, we've been talking about that for the whole month of August. If you were here for any of the series, we talked about getting outside of ourselves, about going. We said the Great Commission starts with the word go, not the word stay. And it is one thing to pray, it is one thing to give your resources, but it goes to a whole nother level when you're sitting right in the middle of somebody's mess with your arm around them. Just letting them know, I'm, I'm here for you. Your, your physical presence goes a long way. And, and it may be just to go there and put your arm around them. There, there are times in the Bible when it talks about uh, we're going to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. There may be times when we don't need to say a word. We just need to be there. And that's part of going. And, and I think that, that goes against the grain for most Christians because we think, oh, I've got to go give my opinion or teach them something or share something. Sometimes it really is, hey, just, just shut up. Just go and sit there and put your arm around somebody and let them know you're with them. And that's part of going. In Philippians chapter 2, uh, another verse from Philippians, verse 19 of chapter 2, it's Paul's writing to the church in Philippi and he says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I may also be cheered when I receive news about you, for I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. Paul wasn't content with just sending letters and just sending money. He was sending people. I hope to send Timothy to you. That Man, there's nobody. He can help you. And talk about taking a genuine interest in somebody's welfare. Taking a gen- if you are taking a genuine interest in somebody's welfare, you're there with them. That, that is the quickest way to send that message of I really do care about what's going on. Yeah, I, I put you on my prayer list. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking for ways. Hey, here's, here's some clothes for your kids for back to school. Whatever it may be, those are all great. And keep doing those. But sometimes... The relief that needs to come is, I'm, I'm going to be with you to walk through this. I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to hold my hand, your hand. I'm going to put my arm around you. You're going to get through this. It's going to be okay, and we're going to do it together. And that's part of the beauty of the family of God, that we get to do that for one another. There may be times that you're, you're low and you need somebody to walk with you, and there may be times when you feel like you're on top of the mountain, and you can look and say, man, let me help you walk through that, because Jesus brought me through something like it. And if you are interested in literally going to Texas to provide relief. Uh, I have a a couple churches that we're in relationship with that they're already uh, planning and organizing some trips. So if you want to do some short-term missions and relief work in Texas to help hurricane victims, uh, I can make that happen. Stay tuned for details. Let me know that you're interested, and I'll I'll put your name on the list when I find out the details about the trip. So that could happen, but, but as much as we want to go, don't forget that go also includes the people right around us every single day. Go, go is meant for us to reach all people. Let's, I, I don't know why this thought came to my head, but I, I pictured some people saying, well, of course, I'll, I'll go help Texas because they, they believe and vote just like I do. Come on. Go is for all people. It doesn't matter what color, what religious persuasion, what background they are, what their political beliefs are. Go means go to reach everybody with the love of Jesus. And, and that's one thing that really stirred me with some hope this week is I saw places and stories and pictures of people putting aside all of those differences and saying we're going to be together to help walk through this. 
I don't care who you are, what you look like, where you're from. We're going to walk through this together and see it. And I thought that was amazing. What a lesson could the church even learn for how Americans reacted to we're going to set aside our differences and just help one another. And I saw this this quote this week uh, from Max Lucado, uh, just thinking about this concept that we are all in it together. He says, we saw and are seeing how humanity can come together and help each other. Lifeboats did not discriminate by color of skin. Rescuers did not ask if the needy were Republicans or Democrats. Helicopter rescue wasn't offered only to the rich or educated. People came together to help people. What an awesome opportunity for the church to get in on that and say people, people of God coming together to help people. We shouldn't, we shouldn't need a natural disaster to remind us to help others. There shouldn't, it shouldn't take a hurricane to say, oh, wait, I need to pray and to give and to go. But this is an opportunity to do that. Someone, it, it may not be a natural disaster. Someone at your job could use help. They, they may not be stranded on a rooftop, but maybe they're struggling with making a decision and just need some wisdom and someone to talk to. Somebody in your neighborhood maybe could use a friend. They, they haven't lost their house to a storm, but maybe they've lost their way. And they need somebody to step in and be there with them. You know, maybe, maybe somebody at school is looking for an answer. And I'm not talking about on a test. No, we're not advocating cheating at New Life Fellowship. I'm not talking about sharing those kind of answers. But maybe somebody's looking for an answer. It's not to pass a test, but to make sense out of life. Those are all opportunities for us to go, for us to pray and to give and to go and to see those people be embraced and surrounded by the hands and feet of Jesus and know that He loves them and cares about them. I want to encourage you to look for people this week that maybe their devastation is very physical and very real in in parts of Texas where they've been displaced, but maybe their devastation is spiritual and they're they're emotionally struggling with things and just looking for answers. Be aware of those people. Ask God to give you opportunities to pray for them and to give to them and to go this week. Let's go ahead and stand together. And I want to pray for us as we go that we would be aware of of what's going on around us and the people in need and that we would remember that we really do carry the answer. I may, I may not have all the answers in my own thinking and understanding, but I know the answer and, and He can help with any situation that you're going through. Father, we come before You right now and we pray in earnest, Lord God, for people whose lives have been devastated. Uh, Father, physically, they've been devastated by being displaced and their families put out of their homes and, and floodwaters ravaging their land. Lord, we pray for them right now that you would bring relief and compassion, that, that you would get them to places where they are safe, where they are fed, where they are clothed and sheltered. God, we ask that you would bless the churches on the ground that are figuring out how can we be the hands and feet of Jesus and provide relief to those in need. God, give them supernatural plans and wisdom. Let them have strength in their, even in their physical bodies, Lord. Strengthen them to carry uh, bottles of water and clothes and to carry things out of people's homes to bring relief and clean up things. God, we ask that your church would rise up and be a beacon of light in this hour to let people know that God sees. He's alive, He cares, and He wants to help you in the middle of your stuff. And God, if it's not physical devastation, we pray for those around us that have been devastated by the effect of sin in their lives that need to know an answer, that they've been struggling and wondering like they are lost in the darkness. God, we ask right now that You would make it practical to us of how to pray for those people, how to give into their lives, how to 
God, how to even give them purpose and destiny and hope for a future. And God, how to stir us with a heart to go, that we would not get so content in our routine that we would forget there are people out there that need us to carry the answer to them. Lord, I thank you that you have given us the ability to be the answer because your spirit dwells inside of us. God, we don't take it for granted that you've allowed us to bear your name to the world and to represent you. <laughs> Lord Jesus, we ask that as we do these things, as, as we pray, as we give, as we go, that the name of Jesus would be lifted up, that, that your name would be made famous in the midst more famous than Hurricane Harvey. Uh, let the name of Jesus be lifted up in the middle of that situation. Uh, more famous than any sin or anything that people could be involved in. Let the name of Jesus be lifted on high. That people would see you and run to you, Lord Jesus. Let us be so uh, in your field working and, and bringing relief to people. That even as in the book of Acts, that they would see us together. And that we would have favor with all the people. And that you would be pleased and add to our number, Lord God. Father, I bless your people right now. I just ask that your goodness and your mercy would continue to follow after us. That everything that we put our hands to would prosper so that the name of Jesus would be glorified. We just thank you for your goodness and your mercy and all the blessings that you poured out on us. But most of all, we just say thank you for being you. You're so worthy, God. We love you, we love you, we love you just declare your name over our land, that the name of Jesus would be Lord over all places that we see. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.